Welcome to Alive and Kickin', the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than the Daz Doorstep Challenge. There's a clue for what's to come. My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast, Alive and Kickin'. And live is a key word, as we dropped the news just seven hours ago, as I look at my Twitter feed, that Alive and Kickin' is going live again! Yes, for the second time only. This summer, we are doing a live show. We're delighted to be part of the brand new football festival called Jumpers for Goalposts on Sunday, August the 4th, 2019 at Printworks in London. We will be part of the podcast lineup doing a live show. It will be myself, Joel Young, Matthew Christ, possibly even a guest. It's still early days, but we're sort of putting some feelers out to somebody will also be joining us. So, and we'd love you to join us as well. Tickets, very early bird tickets, are on sale now. Um, you can, it's just not, it's for the whole weekend, so you, not only will you get to listen to the podcast on the Sunday, there's also a Saturday uh, event as well, and a part of it, there is a, a whole conglomerate of different aspects of football culture. There's talks and panels, there's screenings, there's workshops, exhibitions, street food, games, marketplace and bookshop. It's a whole football culture event from the 3rd and the 4th of August 2019. We're part of it. So if you buy your ticket, you get a ticket for the whole weekend and you include us as well, alive, alive and kicking. Uh, when we did the live show last summer at Golazzo with Tony Dorigo, it was, a, it was so much fun. It really was. So we're already thinking of ideas and different segments and themes that we can do this time around. So if you're in London that weekend and you want a bit of live football action, whether it's on the Saturday or the Sunday. There's even a kids section as well. I might be involved in that, bearing in mind that I work for Kick Magazine as well. Um, they head on over to jumpers.rs or go on their Twitter feed at jumpers4 and check out everything, all the info on there. There'll be more info from us in the weeks to come on what we'll be doing as part of it. But yeah, join us live and kicking live. On to today's show as well, though. It's our first full-length show for a while. It's actually our first show for a couple of weeks, a couple of scheduling issues, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to bore you with that. Um, but yes, we'll be, we're here talking about a certain television show of the 1990s, one that, as I go to talk about when we opened the show, that I wasn't aware of. Then I remembered that I was aware of, and now I've watched again and enjoyed in parts of it, as we will talk about on the show. It's called The Game. It's with Danny Baker, based all around the Sunday League. It's a six-episode TV show from 1991, and we go in-depth on what we thought of this fun-loving reality show. Reality TV before there was reality TV, as I think Matthew says in the episode. We kind of dissect it and have a laugh at everything that Sunday League football had to offer in 1991, including possibly my favourite referee of all time. Yes, Eric Samuels, I'm talking about you. We also have an interview as well. We haven't had an interview for a while, but they're back and they're going to be back and better than ever in the coming episodes as well. Whenever there's a full-length episode, there'll be more coming your way as well as more 90s natter in the next couple of weeks. But whenever there's a full-length episode, we'll have an interview. And today we'll be speaking to former Crystal Palace and Tottenham winger Andy Gray. And it's an interesting interview, actually. Some different aspects of his career that you didn't expect him to say. I think you, you might guise that from my responses to, his, um, to what he says as well. So, yeah, look out for that on today's episode. Uh, that's all a quick intro from me because I want to get into the game with Danny Baker. And I just wanted to let you know about our live show on this day that I'm recording it, it's Jamie Pollock Day, in case you didn't know. 
you don't know what I'm talking about, head over to AK90s and look at our Twitter feed. The greatest own goal that you've ever seen? Probably. I'm a QPR fan, so I'm definitely going to say that. Yeah, it's, got, it's done very well on our Twitter feed as well. But yeah, happy Jamie Pollock Day. Um, before I go, just have to say, of course, follow us on Twitter at AK90s or on Instagram at AK90s pod. And please rate, review, share and subscribe to the show. It always helps us. It'll help us even more as we head to August and our live show. Five star ratings, reviews, we love them. So get on your iTunes or whatever your weapon of choice is on your podcast and give us a review. Uh, as the number one 90s football podcast, come on, you know it's true. And we're going to prove that right now with this episode. What I'm going to call All About the Game and How You Play It. Yeah, there's a wrestling reference for you. This is us talking about Danny Baker's The Game. Myself, Joel Young, Matthew Christ, as well as an interview with Andy Gray here on Alive and Kicking. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again here on Alive and Kicking. This is a what we like to call full-length episode where we sidestep what our usual weekly theme has been, which has been 90s natter at the moment. And we'll be back with that next week. And I know it hasn't been weekly. We've had a few scheduling issues, mainly that we all wanted to watch what today's show is about. And there's a few of us in new jobs and a few of us doing bits and bobs, but we're back and we're talking about something in particular, a second watch-along, I suppose you'd call it today, uh, which we'll get to in just a second. But... Obviously, I'm not doing this alone. I've got my two favourite 90s comrades with me. Firstly, he's a social media mogul for one of TV's biggest shows at the moment as well. Uh, Mr. Joe Young. How you doing, Joe? Yeah, I'm not saying what it is uh, on the podcast yet. <laughs> that's fine. That's why I didn't say it. Just in case. I meant, I meant to ask you pre-record. So, yeah, we won't say anything. But, yeah, you're enjoying your new rowing life, aren't you? I am enjoying my new rolling life, yes. It's all, uh, it's all come together quite nicely. Uh, you know, and hopefully the food will be nice. It definitely, yes. Yeah. So, all that's, <laughs> that's all, all I'm say. saying. That's kind of a bit of a red herring, but yeah. there you go. Let's move on very quickly. And our other trio makes up our tray here on Alive and Kicking. Um, he is a man, a writer from many plethora outfits, and a man who leaves football games, especially Man United ones, after about 15 minutes usually. How are you doing, Matthew Christ? Do you blame me? <laughs> really? <laughs> what time did you leave Barcelona, the new camp? I left... Uh, when, when did their second goal go in? Midway through the first half? I've gone you, before. I saw you pointing at your... Oh, 38 minutes. 37 yeah. minutes, wasn't it? 38 minutes, minutes. Yeah. yeah. But it, bear in mind, that's Barcelona. It takes about 10 minutes to get down from that top tier. So I've probably left after about... Is that where you were? Is that where they put you? Yeah, 120 euros. Subsidised by United, I have to say, to down to 85. But you're behind a massive... Well, you're about 500 feet in the air behind a yeah. big fence and like a what I could describe as a sort of ice hockey type perspex screen I've never been yeah. to that side of it. I've been there, but I've never... Yeah, it's I mean, it's they, also in the middle of... It's not in Barcelona properly, is it, as well? So you've got that trek to get to, because you have to get... Yeah, there I mean, there. there's a few... Actually, luckily, because I make a habit of leaving grounds quite early, um, the beauty of doing that is that if there's a bar nearby, you can get back into the bar and watch the rest of the match on the TV, which <laughs> in bar, Barcelona, you, there's a few bars around there that you can. So I saw... And tapas, which is always yeah, good. Yeah, I had the 
pleasure of watching Coutinho's goal from a, a little bar just what 100 yards from the new camp so um, oh, great trip as always I go for the social side of it rather than the football but um, yeah I mean 120 quid to watch that so, you know yeah I mean that's stable even, every sense of the word yeah it is and fair play to United for um, subsidising and I know Liverpool have in a similar situation they've done the same thing and they've only been given five disabled uh, places and you know for best part of 10,000 fans and all that you know and it does ask a lot of questions I like an old ground as much as anyone as anyone that listens to this show will know but um, and Nets you know yeah we'll talk about Nets in a minute but um, yeah I I can't see that ground lasting another 10 years to be honest for various reasons it'd be a shame because it is of a certain era I mean I've done the tour and I've seen a ground and I've seen a game there and love both of the um, aspects of it but yeah it'd be a shame but yeah I think you're right I think given what we've seen from Spurs as well and what they're bringing to the table now. That well, is and, future, and when they do it? move to a new ground, I'm obviously going to blame Middlesbrough for... Obviously. <laughs> why, why, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, of course. Before we move on to today's subject of the podcast, we have a little bit of news. Um, thankfully, not Eric Cantona news, which I want to ask you about, Matthew. Did you see that Instagram post? Uh, you've caught me out there. Oh, um, oh dear me. Oh, okay. You, Joel, you, would you care to elaborate? <laughs> Well, all right. Well, Mr. Cantona yesterday, and I don't know whether it was meant to be like some sort of dig at City or what the bloody hell he was thinking, but it's Cantona pulling a stern face. <laughs> the video, and then so it's a see, video. Then, yeah, this is the video. And then you see a firm stomach with an egg on it, and then an erect penis springs forth and smashes the egg to bits. Quite violently. Quite violently, and then it goes back to Cantona's stern face. It was very peculiar. It got removed by Instagram because of because you know we can't see a hard cock uh, <laughs> anywhere on on the platform. So yeah, that was. I can't believe you never heard about that, Matthew. Yeah. Well, I was, I was busy, right? Yeah. You know, doing various things, obviously. But oh well, sorry. Quite Mr. McClare, that's what you were doing, weren't you? I think if you have a, if you have a look at my friend my friend Dave Buren's uh, Twitter account, I think he's at Golden Vision ninety off the top of my head, but I might be wrong. But he's today put up a little clip from uh, from the nineteen eighty three Cup final where it just says "Go smash an egg." <laughs> he went, oh, Eric must have been watching. It says "Go smash an egg" on the uh, advertising hoard, and then he goes, "Oh yeah, Eric must have seen this." So I thought that was perfect. it's the most bizarre so did- thing ever. <laughs> Has there been any fallout from it? Or? Not really. People have just, just been went a bit baffled. mad yesterday. Yeah. It was the top trend on Twitter on Wednesday. And then, uh, yeah, that was kind of it. I think it's, you know, we kind of expect peculiar things from I think Cantonar the even, deepest even now deepest in 2019. Yeah, I think it's the deepest, deepest of analogies that you could probably get. but Or maybe not. But he's also posted today a picture of a banana and an egg, alluding to the previous post as well. So... You know, Cantona being Cantona, but um, that wasn't the news. Well, he does, he's not very good at his sort of analogies and or subtlety, probably, or anything like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The old sort seagulls, of, the know, trailer, seagulls, yeah, and yeah. all that. But I, I can't remember who it was that I saw an interview with, but they were saying that like he, he wishes he was a sort of Renaissance man, intelligent, artistic, and he just kind of isn't really. So he says these things that he thinks that an intelligent, artistic Renaissance man would say and do, and of course they're nothing of the sort. They're just rubbish. Yeah, very bizarre. But as I was saying, that wasn't the news I was actually referring to. The big news, massive, huge, hold the back page type Enormous. Yeah, like that cock, is that we (laughs) are going live for a second time, baby. 
Yes, we have been going live like the uh, 1990s Saturday morning BBC show going live with, with, with Scope and Sarah Green. Yeah. Sarah Green. Yeah. Preluded live and kicking, of course. But yes, go in live. Did live? Did going live have 0181811 before, or was that live? That might have been 0181 That might have been. Oh, okay. It wasn't 811 which was live and kicking. But anyway, yes, we are doing a live show. We've been delighted that we've been asked by a, a brand new festival. Uh, called Jumpers for Goalposts, which will be on August third and fourth at the Printworks. It's in two London. days before my birthday, so that means you can you can bring me oh gifts. God. I can bring you gifts. I can I better take a week off. I can pay you back a tenner. <laughs> we can all have fun while we're doing it. Um, so the tickets are obviously for the whole weekend. The the early bird price has gone on sale now. There's a link on a Twitter feed. Um, all the info, what we're going to do, will reveal in the next few weeks, mainly because we don't even know yet. Um, we're just delighted to be part of it. But there will be a live performance from the three of us, maybe even a guest, still early days. All the shenanigans you usually expect from Alive and Kicking will be talking 90s and stuff. The Sunday is being dedicated kind of like a retro day. So there'll be retro shirts available. Um, I'm not sure of all the themes yet, but that seems to be the area that we're being involved in. Um, the guys from the Retro Shirt Football Podcast are also doing a show um, before or after hours, we haven't seen the schedule yet. So there is a whole retro sort of vintage theme to the Sunday. So yeah, um, if you're in London and you obviously like your football and you obviously like the podcast, come down. It'd be great to see you because we're going to try and get audience involved as well. So yeah, so just check out Twitter feed. Jumpers of a goalpost. Um, it's very early days. It's not till August, but that is the first sort of announcement of it that we're going to do another live show. And for anyone who came to our live show last summer when we did it at Golazzo with Tony Dorigo, we had a ball of a time. I think everyone in the bar had a ball of a time. So yeah, expect some fun times if you're going to come to Printworks on the 4th of August. Looking forward to it, and lads. Joe, Joe might even get his £10 note back. He may do, yeah. He's had a might, few... Well, I saw, no, I can't complain because Ash took me to... I did ask him. Oh, oh, yeah, I did, yeah. And it was very good, so I can't really... Mind. But now, since he's promised me a Brock Lesnar WWE <laughs> toy, and, I, you know, I don't know where he is with that issue. Did but I? There you was go. that after The Rock? Was that in, in favour of I've, The Rock? I've got The You've Rock. You've got The now, Rock, man. So. Oh, yeah, you asked me for Lesnar. That was on their other podcast as well. If yes. you like your wrestling, Wrestling Origins, W-O underscore pod on Twitter. Um, so yeah, so come and get us. Yeah, as I say, yeah, me and Matthew are going to have a fight to the death as well. Yeah, so why not? Uh, yeah. Well, over the over the Riverside Stadium. <laughs> it's going to be some sort of. I quiz. really. My friend went. There used to be a place in Middlesbrough called Nature's World, and it's um, since closed down. It's become quite overrun and shabby. But he was running through there. Uh, my friend Gary Bell, who doesn't listen to this, but I'll give him a shout anyway. And there was an, a, a miniature replica of the Riverside Stadium, but it become overgrown, um, you know, so it's probably only about like 10 feet by 10 feet. You could step in it, but you, it was like overgrown and full of like weeds and litter and stuff like that. And I just thought, yeah, Matthew would like that. Hang on a bit. What? There was just, just happened to be a miniature replica lying around or was it? <laughs> no, the, in this, the, oh, in this the, place in the, called Nature's like World. A theme, the, oh, like a theme park. Okay. Like a weird sort of thing where, you know, you would if you were at school, then you would yeah. go there for the day or maybe for a morning because I don't think there would be that much to do, but you go and learn about newts and tadpoles or whatever. So and so he went there and now it's gone. It, it's closed down and everything. But like some ah. of the stuff from the place is still there, like some of the sort of like you know exhibits or anything and one of them is the riverside stadium and you know it tells you how long ago it is because the corners 
aren't in it on this thingy one, on this miniature one. But yeah, it was there all over. Well, I'm sure it still looks exactly like every other modern day football stadium. So I'm well, surprised you'd be able to tell the difference. Really. That Derby County and Stoke City uh, mm, copied yeah. the exact uh, blueprint. About apparently not Spurs it. though, because apparently that's different to what I'm, I'm hoping to get there before the end of the season to see the brand spanking. Yeah, but then they'll all look the same as the Tottenham ground in about. So now you're going to. All right, well that's good. So now it's going to be. Yeah, they can. You can blame Tottenham now. Yeah, but I can't because it's not nineties, can I? So, <laughs> oh, no, my friend's do... got a my friend's got a season ticket for Tottenham, even though he lives in China. Wow. I think you told me this before. I think I told you it the other day. Yeah, uh, when we were out, yeah, yeah, I had a little outing, and uh, half an AK nineties outing. But the full team will be there. Jumpers for goalpost, August fourth. They do... are at Jumpers Four on on Twitter. Twitter because well, I, be- yes. I became there. I was. I felt quite bad about it because they had four four two followers. Until I turned up, and now it's then it was four four three. Yeah, no. no, it's not going to work. It's too many players. Mm. But they, they've got, you get the four five one. Yeah, you could get to four five one, and I think they've got over two thousand followers on on Instagram. So they're making wow, a few well, waves. Um, and so I'm sure it could be a good festival. There's some good people already involved. On um, uh, somebody who's been on the podcast a long, Ben Littleton, who was on this podcast many moons ago, wrote some great books. Um, they're called Football Schools. I've featured them in Kick Magazine before. So he's doing the first day um kick might be involved itself actually if anyone wants is interested in the kids side of it because there's a kids section to the festival as well and we're getting involved in that so yeah check it out as as uh, joe said at jumpers four on twitter um but let's get to what we are talking about today and it's our second watch along but it's gonna we're gonna talk about it slightly differently to the first one we did when we did that classic um, united in review as it was, um, with some great laughs, looking back at that one with Joel. I think it was called United in Focus, wasn't it? It's not called either. I actually can't remember what it was called now. Oh, it's inside, called, like, inside Story. Inside Story. Inside that's what it's called. Story. Yeah, yeah. Story. yeah, the episode's yeah. called Inside Inside the Story, so I should remember that, really. It's in the archives, as they say. Um, but instead of literally going scene by scene in this one, we've lo- watched a whole series of, of something called The Game, if those of you don't remember, a, a Danny Baker vehicle from 1991, Mainly based, well, say mainly based on the Sunday League, and what we're going to do, we're going to talk. I will set up the first episode, and then every episode sort of runs the same sort of theme anyway, and we'll just talk about an overview of the series. We've all watched this slightly differently, um, Matthew. You're already. We spoke about this before. This is how we spawned this episode. You're a massive fan of this. You own the DVD, correct? Well, I own the DVD. I've got it on actual VHS cassette still from. Wow. Um, Holy moly! Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, I. And I can't believe there are any, anybody listening to this doesn't doesn't know. But I didn't actually grow up in Liverpool, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> as you can tell by the lack of accent. But um, I grew up down in the sort of southeast area of the country. This used to be on um, well late night Friday nights. I mean, LWT, the, the yeah, great, the great LWT, yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll remember the old days of late night television before things like late night late, and uh, each each region had its own version of late night television it was a great sort of um well it was a it was a sort of practice ground for, for great tv shows that that wouldn't have normally got airtime really and this was one of them and i remember stumbling across it um i think it used to be on about sort of what we used to call pub closing time even yeah, though i was probably about, about yeah about i was about 13 so uh, you know i obviously wouldn't have been coming out of the pub but um <laughs> the book like, Matthew yeah <laughs> wasn't coming out of the pub when he was 13 but he yeah. was, was probably at home drinking cans yeah he was out of the bookies but, yeah. um, filling me his and diary it, and it just <laughs> it just captured my imagination and it always has done and it always will do and, and obviously we'll talk about why but um it wasn't it wasn't done in a 
ironic way it wasn't done in a in a sort of showbiz way it was just on it was one of those things that you turned on the television one night at half 11 on a on a friday night and um and it was there i think i this is why we mentioned it the other a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about it and since then it's obviously come out on a box set or dvd as i've got and um it's now available on youtube for everyone to see but it's completely yeah, it, I thought at the time it was just one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And watching it back, I still think it's, it's have, one of the so best watched, things I've ever seen. Have you watched it back in preparation? Not that you have. I have. To. Oh, yeah, you have. I, mean, yeah. I, I pretty much watch it every couple of months anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just because I think it's that good. But um, no, I mean it's it's obviously aged in terms of fashion and you know everything else that's aged over the last what thirty years. But um, in terms of the uh, interest and the and entertainment value i still think it's it's, it's brilliant i mean you, you i've obviously been going on about it for well almost 30 years and you two are new to it i mean what well i think this is, this is an interesting thing I'll, I'll get to you in a second but the, the weird thing about this is that when you first mentioned it i didn't really remember it um because it's probably slightly before i started getting into sort of that obviously era of television and then when i started to watch it it, it did ring a few bells and it i had so happened to see my my mum and dad this weekend because they were doing jobs for me on the house, obviously. And I mentioned it you to him. You're still building that house? We're, we're, in, we're in decorating stage. We are on the last stages, people. And for those of you who are on Ash Build Watch, we are in the last stages. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so I, that means we're going to get invited round for yeah. the proper housewarming, yeah, Matthew, big... and then we can smash the place up and then leave. Yeah, yeah and then we'll it'll take him another three years. We'll have, to, we'll have to stand together. and wait for a taxi, because, you know, he lives in, in his Yeah, you won't get a taxi around here, yeah. <laughs> And you'll feel the wrath of my wife as well if you get any. Yeah, I don't want to do that. You definitely don't want to do that. Um, I mentioned it, as I said, I mentioned it to my dad, and he reminded me that he used to tape it for me on the um, Friday night, and I used to watch it, I don't know, on the Saturday morning or over the weekend. So I actually did watch it at the time. I'm not sure if I watched the whole series, but I definitely remember watching a couple of episodes of it. Um, my dad loved it. This is so up my dad's kind of street. The only thing missing was boobs, probably. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> hi, Dad. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, had, did, I was aware of it because to a point that before I didn't remember it, it wasn't even in the Alive and Kicking book available from Amazon um, with Shock Horror. So yeah, I, that I've kind of rediscovered, but kind of seen it for the first time through older eyes, I guess I would say. Um, Joel, is, was this your first time watching it or...? Yeah, well, we, you know, obviously I didn't... I'm actually sitting here wearing a Time Tees television t-shirt right now and being from Middlesbrough... On the River Tees, we never got it. We yeah. uh, had um, we had other things going on, probably repeats of Prison at Cell Block H or something like that. What was like your that. Um, What was your Time Tees late night? Uh, we had uh, we had, thing called, we, we had night time and we had night shift as well. Oh, but we nice. used to get stuff. I think they did stuff from Leeds originally, and then we just mixed in with what they were pumping out from Key Street in Manchester, uh, Granada's feed, I think. So there was lots of. Uh, there was a problem called uh, not Call of Duty, but there was a thing about the Vietnam War that I can't remember what it's called. We Tour of Duty. Uh, Tour of Duty. Was... Is that what it's called? Tour of Duty. I think so. Yeah, I had, yeah. Um, it, had the Rolling Black, Stones. Painted yeah. black by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had yeah. that. We had. Uh, Did you have Time Tunnel? We had that. Yeah, we had Time Tunnel. We had uh, well, Hitman and Her, obviously. Hitman and Her. I remember that. Yeah. Do you remember that weird cooking show? Get stuff. Get stuff. I was, yeah. Filmed on a camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like basically children going and cooking things, and it was a bit like. Well, it was it was students mostly, wasn't it? And then you had students, the, the mystery yeah, chefs. 
uh, making stuff for about two percent but then night network was a thing as well wasn't it when they try to sort of link everything together and because this was the first time i think it started on itv properly in 1988 i think all yeah. 20 they went 24 hours so um yeah, so we didn't get it. We had um, we we'd have had things like Friday Live on as well, which was just like men talking in the City Road studios in Newcastle of Time Tees and things like that. So there won't have been much um, going on. So this was absolutely my first uh, foray into it. But what something that you said, Matthew, that I think is absolutely correct about it is it isn't it, it isn't treated ironically. It yeah, isn't that's treated the best. as first thing isn't, i was gonna say yeah yeah is it isn't treated as isn't this a laugh and aren't these crap and blah 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 blah, blah. it's treated it, it's not treated in a way well, it's just like here we are these are the leagues uh, this is the league it's the bottom rung of this but everybody's here everybody has a good time they pay the money to come and do it we're not going to take the piss out of them and that i think that is the admirable thing about it really it's not it's not treated as some sort of freakish sideshow it's not treated as anything unusual because, of course, Sunday league football is not unusual. Well, it's in just, 2019, it's, it's probably very similar in certain instances. Well, well I, I bet you'd see similar games. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I think players line. would... I think... I mean... Sorry, I don't want to jump in and steal your thunder, but I think a lot of it was... I suppose we were on the back... Sort of on, on the... It's just on the, the aftermath. Of, we were on the cusp of football. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you had the Italy 90 World Cup, which... In its day was as big as you know that did change a lot of things. I mean, people still claim it changed football as a whole. But and I suppose you can look if you look at it, you can see trends there. You can see players wearing cycling shorts, and there's a few which, sort of which Baker says on many occasions. Yeah, you know, modern the, the modern yeah. yeah, the modern mode. And but it yeah, I mean, I don't know whether it was because it was a lack of budget or or what. And and, and I think a lot of credit goes to Danny Baker because he just had that subtle way of presenting things in a. I suppose you could say tongue in cheek, but it was it was witty and funny. But it certainly yeah. Wasn't I don't think he was. Say. I don't think I don't think he was tongue in cheek. I think he came across as a genuine fan. Obviously, he's from uh, he's from Bermondsey, isn't he? Yeah, massive uh, Millwall yeah. fan. Yeah, yeah. So he's a big Millwall fan. So that's his neck of the woods, anyway. And these are the sort of people that he would have grown up with and and worked with had he not sort of stumbled into you know his broadcasting career. Uh, and these books are very good, by the way. You should go and read his books. Um, and and I, and his, uh, have you listened to his podcast with with Lineker? Yeah, but it keeps getting shorter. By the week, unlike this one, it's just like his. Um, yeah, it, it's good. It's good. It's an entertaining forty minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, it's good. Now, let's well, let's set up how each pro, each um, episode sort of goes. So it's from the East London Sunday League Division Four. It's basically a profile of the end of the season of this division. The run-in. The run-in to the Sunday, yeah, to the East uh, London Sunday League Division 4. Um, there's a quick intro from Danny, and in a, every episode, his attire gets more and more ridiculous. I think it's... The episode it's, 2, yes, he's exactly, wearing yes. what can only be called a clown suit, yeah. right? He's like wearing this... Horrible he's wearing blazer, this yeah. Black and, black and grey checked blazer with a orange and blue and green harlequin-type shirt and then some stonewash kind of just off white jeans it, i mean this is danny baker in full uh daz mode. i was literally about to say daz mode yeah <laughs> this is this is the danny baker of the daz adverts yeah, this is not the danny challenge. Baker who, yeah yeah when you know well he, he calls his house the house that daz built yeah i bet he did because he did that uh and he just you know that's a gig you want isn't it the daz doorstep challenge <laughs> 
Shane Ritchie didn't do it as well as he did. Shane Ritchie doesn't do anything as well as anyone did. He usually follows people who aren't very good in everything, doesn't he, really? I, 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 I'm pals with his ex-wife, so I'm saying nothing. <laughs> Ooh. There's <laughs> a bit of a name drop there from Mr. Young. Um, well, everybody knows I worked on Loose with him. Exactly, Great. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he, he, he sort of, he's the guy that presents the show, and then you get a kind of... Each episode is focusing on one game, so we get the pre-match from the two teams, the game, the post-match, um, and then something that's called Incidents of the Week, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, but the, so the first... Can we talk about the opening titles? It's the theme of the big match, but it's played in like a, a sort of it's it's you know it's it's essentially a, a crappy 1991 remix of them yeah with uh, a, like a Bontenti organ tin pot sort of thing but the opening titles just basically sum it up in that there's miss kicks horrible horrible tackles. tackles yeah uh horrible miss kicks there's a hand, handball leading to a goal in one of them decrepit old refs i've got a lot to say about one referee oh we'll get to mr Sanders. i wonder which one <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and, 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 and that's the thing, but you know, they, they sort of go into the preamble that there's 106 pitches at yeah, Hackney yeah. Marshes. Yeah. He says half a million people playing up and down the line, which is um, absolutely ridiculous, really, but there you go. Yeah, and he has his co commentator as well for the games, which you rarely hear from, um, Mr. Terry Franklin, former Sunday League manager and player. Sounds like a sort of hybrid of Tony Gow and Paul Walsh, but you very rarely hear him um, throughout of it. Um, we learn in this first episode that Clement Attlee is the man behind this division. Um, so the, founder of the, um, the founder of the NHS, in fact. Yeah. There you go. And the East London Sunday League Division 4 as well. So we learn mm-hmm. a, bit, a, bit, a bit about that. Then you get kind of what you expect from, and this is what a lot of the episodes are about, is the preamble before the actual sort of highlighted match that we get. Um, Matthew, I think this is what you, I'm going to bring you in here because I can imagine this is what you like to take from it. This is where we learn about the characters and their pre-match. And I mean, this first episode, we've got Coburn versus the Cock Hotel. The Cock Hotel are like the worst team there's ever been in the league. They have never won a game. They've got a new manager. Um, so, but it's all kind of pub beforehand and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I suppose it still is today. And uh, apart from the fact the pub's probably open a bit later than they did then. But um, yeah, the... The Cockos, I think they've only got about two points for the whole season or, yeah. or something in their uh, staring relegation in the face. But it's, it's that sort of, um, I mean, again, I don't want to sound patronising talking about it because it's, 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 I'm not being patronising. The whole show isn't patronising. But it's, got, it's that ultimate thing of pub the night before, skinful, and then play the game the next day. And, and I, one thing I've noticed as well is that the level of tackling obviously is shocking, but the, the reaction's great. I mean, players are getting wiped out left, right and centre. There's no pushing and shoving there's no there's, a, there's, there's one little tiny bit of argy-bargy in in one episode is that the Chris Winston tackle think, is that that I one think that's, I think that's partly because it's who we'll get to um, yeah. the Livingston Athletic team who who are by these standards the posh boys the college boys <laughs> they're, yeah. they're my favourite <laughs> I love with a certain, yeah, I like with a, a certain Scottish striker up front is it Yes, yes, yes. Dirt, yes. Dirt Kildare. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. He's, he's, he plays for Beaches. Oh, Beaches, that's it, yes. Yeah. Well, they get this guy. The first person we see is this guy, John Smythe, who is the manager of the Cock Hotel. And it just turns out that he was just out on the piss one night and everybody <laughs> and else decided yeah. that he was going to be the new man. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's like a good job the, uh, he wasn't drinking in, uh, in 
Salford or Stratford one night, you know, and uh, he might well be the manager of Manchester United. Yeah, things been yeah. slightly different. Well, indeed, he, but he, he paints a picture of total disorganisation. Nobody knows when to come. Nobody knows when to come to games, which is a bit unusual. It struck me as very unusual considering the play in the East London Sunday League. Um, I thought that would have been something. But basically, their half their midweek training is just everybody on the piss. And there's just squabbling about playing. Nobody wants to do anything. Nobody wants to play anywhere. But it's sort of, it is, it's just nice. Everything, there's no undercurrent of, or sort of sneering in the whole thing. What did make me laugh in this bit, though, was, and this will have been a Danny Baker choice, absolutely, is when um, John Smythe, the manager, said that they were going to try and win 2-0. That was his prediction. They were playing the king of wishful thinking by Go West. Behind, which I thought was a nice. We'll get to the music. In, we'll get the get to the music in a minute because I, I think it's brilliant. After the, the end titles, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, my favourite bit from the first episode is the the striker for Coburn, twenty five goal John Priestaff, who we see in the pub in the preamble. Earrings, loads of earrings. This is oh, very there's lots much. Of, yeah. uh, there's Flop. lots of jewellery. There's lots of floppy. Lots of well, I mean, this is hair. 1991, so the rave scene haven't yeah. hit that part of East London yet. So they're still dressed like they're some sort of Spandau Ballet cast-offs. Yeah, maybe. not quite. It's like a mix, isn't it? It's like not quite new romantic, not quite rave. It's somewhere stuck in the middle, and there's very yeah. much there's a lot of earrings going on, especially with um, John Priestaff, who my favourite quote. Um, I've picked this one out. Last time I went out and got drunk on a Saturday night, we had a game against Tesco. It's brilliant. And I scored six against them and I had a terrible hangover. So every time I have an important game, I go out on a Saturday night and get well <laughs> slaughtered and I'm all right in the morning. And that kind of, that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So the, the other thing is how old players look. I mean, these yeah. guys are probably only about 25, 30 at the most. And they all look, in the modern day, they, you know, they look about 45. They, do, they really do. And the guy that's yeah, one of they, the oldest, I think he's like 44 in one of the episodes, doesn't yes. even look that old. So no. as there's some weird kind of time machine estuary going on here. But yeah, I think I think players today think more, you get more of the David Beckham effect, don't you? Yeah, um, I was thinking that when I was watching, well, obviously I've watched it for years, but watching it back again recently, I suppose you've got the, mo- I suppose there are players that were probably I don't think who they would be modelling themselves on back then. I mean, he, there weren't really any sort of Gaza type no. wannabes, or uh, I mean, they were, they were no all quite individuals, lab, really. Yeah, no, because no I, I can. I, I mean, I watch quite a bit of non-league football, and even then, even then, you look watch players and you look at players and you think, oh, you really think you're better than you are with your green boots and your, you know, your, 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 your modelled hairstyle and everything. But watching these guys, it's almost like they're all just completely individual in their own right, without trying to be anything that they're not, and that's. Well, that culture of that like culture, you know, supplements culture, none of that existed. That This is just blokes who go drink together and they want to go and have a, have a game and they get into it and they're passionate about it. But there's no sort of pretensions or air and graces about it. They all know what it is. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a quote I, can't, I haven't written it on but you just reminded me of one of the players in one of the episodes who says, oh, what, am I, what else am I meant to do on a Sunday? Like between, sorry, yeah, it says between, between getting up in the morning says, and, you, and the pub's open. Yeah, yeah he says, once you read the papers, you've got to wait two hours for the pub, so you <laughs> might as well come and play football. Yeah, that's what you say. It's like, forget the family and seeing the kids or anything like that. This is what 1991 Sunday League football um, was all about. Um, so, yeah, the, in this particular episode, in this game, it, it's very much a one-sided affair, the actual game. The highlights are quite good. I mean, they get their own line-up, didn't they? Baker's pretty good well, on the commentary. Is, yeah, this is what happens. I mean, he's, Danny Baker's up in the air on this uh, 
I, I mean, I'm, it probably isn't rickety scaffolding, but I mean, it might as well be. Well, I say it probably was. Look at yeah. It. And he, is is gantry a very much a football word? Where else do you wear gantry? Yeah, we, we, we did we did used we did a thing didn't we once yeah, where we said that words that are only that's why we didn't, didn't yeah, get yeah gantry, gantry. yeah i don't think i've ever heard that yeah. outside of football go on sorry Joe. It, it, he's up there in his gantry and they get a proper rundown i mean he, it, it's it, every team seems to have a pair of brothers in brothers yeah, yeah. pat kearney and uh, yeah. yeah there's one with three br- there's one th- with three brothers in so i don't know whether that tells you a bit more about sunday league football and anything else or come east on, london you've got to come time. and play you've got to come and play um, but yeah, they get a proper little rundown, and he, obviously he can't give you stats on everybody. But you get the odd little bit of stats on yeah, their jobs, players, yeah. on a lot of goals, or you know, there's there's one team who the keeper is the star, and and so they do that. You know, it's it's um, it's very um, it, it's all, it's just again this thing that it, it's truthful and and honest, and but but at the same time funny. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's not over overcooked as well as I mean I think each episode was about half an hour as it yeah, was, yeah. as was apart from the I mean, finale. Yeah, yeah, France the finale. But I mean on YouTube I think they're twenty six minutes because they've obviously taken out. Yeah, so I think that's just about enough because you don't. Can need I just say? Can I just say? I wish they'd left the adverts. I was literally thinking that. Literally thinking Well, I've probably got them on my uh, VHS cassette if I can bring it. Bring it down on August the fourth. If, if anyone's got a VHS player, we can put put them on. But but, um, but I just think again, I think in the modern era that they would have just completely overdone this, and they would yes. have gone into, um, you know, they would have just spoiled it. They'd have had about ten people presenting it. They would have had a, you know, a, an after show. They would have had a phone in. They would have had some kind of t- hashtag. And it just, I mean, I know it's comparing apples and oranges. You can't. It's stupid to to say you know compare 1991 to to now, but um, I just think it's sort of innocence, simplicity was its was its beauty really. And um, even even watching it back now, if you if you take out the sort of the fact that the cars behind the goal look ancient and the players look ancient, and and you know if as a I mean Joel's a you know Mr. Broadcasting expert here, but I mean just in terms of presentation, I don't think they they they've done a, a, anything wrong really. No, not at all. I think it's 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 funny because I was saying when I was watching it, it's it. I think it's on about three cameras, which is two which more is, cameras yeah. than the uh, championship games on the red button on yeah, Sky Sports. They've, so they've recently added another single one. camera with they've you know, and they've one. got they've got one they, they've got one commentator on Sky Sports on the red button and one camera, whereas Danny Baker's at least got three cameras. Yeah. and and Terry, and Terry Franklin, yeah, and Terry Franklin, yeah, next to him. Summarized. I love the I love the fact in the final way. in the final, which we get to later. He said, "I've got my uh, my two accessories. I've got my second coat, and I've got Terry Franklin." And he just <laughs> said, "That that yeah, that is it. That's all he's got. The whole show, is yeah, that? yeah. It's two he's barely got Terry, Terry Franklin, Franklin. In fairness, you don't really yeah. hear from Terry Franklin very much." Um, before we go for a quick break, um, we'll just wrap up that first episode. They lose 8-1, the Cock Hotel, but they go absolutely <laughs> mental when they score that goal, don't they? Which is just brilliant. Um, you know, Ter- John, what's his name? John Smythe is off the bench going crazy in his leather jacket. Um, all very, very, very funny. I like the I like the referee in this one because he looked like a gangster who would hang about in the background on the Long Good Friday. I've got him with, I've written down he's got big Mike Reed sunglasses. Yes. Well, yeah, there's a thing about referees and sunglasses in this programme. Yeah, well, it's definitely. We'll, we'll get to him. There's lots it? of funny swearing in, in this. Like, there's, there's a... What, I think the, the cop manager shouts at one point, get it the fuck out of the park, which has got a big laugh from me. And, and then lots of smoking. I mean, yeah, there is lots, yeah. of and lots and lots of smoking. Managers are smoking all the time, but the lads are having a fag at half time, and in the dressing room they're having tabs. And oh my goodness me! Mm. 
Um, as I said earlier, so each episode firstly ends with incident of the week, which is kind of a Ubin framed-esque section where people get to send in their videos of events that have happened in their own Sunday league. Actual videos, and they will return the tapes. And they will return the tapes, as Danny Baker says, and then at the end of the final episode, the winner gets a camcorder, which we'll talk about in due course. Um, but yeah, I love the fact that every episode ends with a classic bit of music from the time, which I thought you'd appreciate, Joe. I mean, yeah, and as you said, the first episode ends with Go West's King of Wishful Thinking. Absolute fucking tune. <laughs> <laughs> right up my street. Bit of cheese. I'll agree with that from, from Pretty Woman. Yeah, and then I've got the Lars. There she goes. Yeah, there she two. goes, yeah. That's a good one. The Jam appear in episode three with I Need You. Um, episode four, I had to look up. I didn't know this. You might know it, boys. Mark Williams, Show No Mercy. Is I didn't it? know it. No, episode five, I couldn't find. I couldn't no. find what that was. But they finish it on, which is... Probably the best way to finish it. I loved this. Wilson Sister Phillips. Sister Wilson Phillips. Oh. Yeah. I, emotional. Oh. But it was because I'm, anyone that watches it back now, and I remember watching it obviously at the time, it was a real sort of emotional end to the, the, the whole series. And even Danny Baker appears to be sort of quite moved by the whole thing. Because I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I think he really enjoyed doing this. I think he pretty much put his heart and soul into this program. I don't know whether it's his his baby or he was approached to do it but i just got the feeling it was a real uh... i have a feeling and this is just this is just my own sort of uh, assumption but i have a feeling he'll have pitched that because he was always in and around elder beauty at that time i mean he was doing the six o'clock show with michael aspel which is another thing i'd never heard of until i moved down here and he was he was always sort of in and around at uh lwt so it's kind of quite, what is quite interesting is the guy who executive produced it, Simon Shapps, ended up being the head of television within ITV. Wow! So yeah. you know, there's there's some talented there's people. Definitely talented people in there. Um, we'll talk about yeah. some more talented people after the break, notably a referee who uh, made a name for himself and a big striker from Prince. What they call Young Prince B. Young Prince B. Young yeah. Prince, Prince B. B. Um, but first, we've got an interview. We haven't had one of these for a few weeks. Um, we've got a few in the can lined up, though, and this is the first of them. This is me speaking earlier this week to former Crystal Palace, Tottenham and Mallorca, which he talks about as well. Uh, winger, stroke striker, and even played in defence at one point. Andy Gray talking to me on Alive and Kicking. This is Jason Summerby, star of the Renford Rejects. And you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Joining me on the line now, pleasure to speak to somebody, and we're going to talk very much about a certain game and certain era in the Crystal Palace's history. Uh, former midfielder, striker, a bit of everything, weren't you, really? Andy Gray, thank you for joining us on Alive and Kicking. No problem. How are you guys? We're good. We're very good to talk to you as well. Um, as we always do, we're going to take you back to the decade that changed football forever. So we're, we're in 1990, you were back at Crystal Palace for your, for your second spell. Um, and what a season that was for the, first, for the first season. We talk about this game quite a lot on our podcast uh, as you reached the FA Cup final. But let's take you back to the semi-final, which is one of the most monumental games of that era. Uh, what was it like to play in and score in that famous 4-3 win over Liverpool? Yeah, to be quite honest with you, the week leading up to the the game, we was just all relaxed because obviously being beaten nine nil yeah. early in the season, I think everyone bar his dog didn't give us a chance. So I think it's one of them games where he wasn't nervous at all. Mm. He just wanted to, if anything, keep the score down. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that, and you think that sort of attitude and sort of mindset helped you guys in, in that game? I mean, it was it's, it was a back and forth game as well, um, much like the, the game we saw last night in the Champions League. Um, but for you scoring as well in the FA Cup semi final, how, how did that feel? Yeah, it was surreal. It was, I think it was meant to happen because if you actually see when Fawney hit the free kick and my position, well, you you wouldn't have thought I was going to be anywhere near the goal. And I just just followed the ball. It was just, like, just, it was just instinctive to just follow the ball. And uh, as soon as Stoughton chest, chest it, it just ch- like chest it up head eye. And that was I was just there, just to like not like <laughs> nod it in. So it was yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it was. And as you went to extra time, Alan Pardew has uh, got the the goal in extra time. And what were the celebrations like that day after after that one? To be quite honest, it'd be a bit boring. Like we all went our separate ways. I mean, I wound up at the snooker hall in Brixton playing snooker. Um, and like everyone else, just done their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't champagne flying about. I was drinking cups of tea and and uh, having sandwiches, uh, playing snooker all night. Well, each way to celebrate, I suppose, is the uh, is the way yeah. to celebrate. Yeah, um, I remember the final quite vividly. Actually, um, is one of my first football memories because my uh, I had family in that area and the palace flags were all over and stuff. Uh, what was it like for you to to play in in, in an FA Cup final? It was it was nice, but to be quite honest with you, I didn't really like. You might feel I'm a bit selfish, but I didn't really enjoy the cut run because I was playing out wide. Mm. Because I could play wide, um, basically the gaffer just like put me out wide, and I and I didn't really like playing out wide. So when we got to the cut final, um, I was out wide, and I just felt I wasn't like in the game where my position where was like central midfield going up and down um, put it this way I wouldn't trade that day for anything but it, in the back of my mind I would have liked to have played in my position that day mm, Interesting that's an interesting point I mean it was a crazy game another a 3-3 draw do you yeah, we should have beaten. That's what I was about to ask. I think was it one of those games where afterwards you think if you'd stayed, maybe a game was now. There's not even replays, are there? But what, what would you do? You think you would have beaten them if it went on? Well, we got into extra time, and I think we missed the chance. It was it was the, that day we should have had them, and, and I think we were the better side. And when sleeping giants get a chance to wake up and assess everything, then it's a different game. And I think that the, the, uh, the replay was an anticlimax anyway, to be quite honest. It wasn't a great game. Yeah. So it's just the fact that someone was actually going away with a trophy, but it wasn't like a great game. The final should have been the semi-final. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. You know, if you if you look at it, I mean, because the, the, the saying that the two semi-finals were were classics. Yeah, we say we think it's probably the best semi-final weekend that there possibly that there's ever been, especially because they were played at neutral grounds and things like that. Would would you say it's up there with with some of the best? It is, but because like we're Crystal Palace, if it was say Man United Liverpool played in that game, then they'd be talking about that every year. But mm. where where can 
where can you get to? I think our semi-final was better than Man City's Oldham, and that was a classic. That was yeah. good. I mean, yeah. no, I think, I think our one was the best. I'm not just saying it; it just had everything, everything in it. Mm, no, I agree. Um, that, you had a good season the following year, though, with uh, Crystal Palace. Picked up silverware and the classic Zenith Data Systems Cup as well. Did that sort of cup room spur that team on a little bit for the next season? No, we, we, listen, we, we had a good team, mm. you know, and um, basically the difference was that Ron ran, ran the ship very tight and he wasn't going to sort of like invest in players unless he knew they could come in and take somebody's place. So with the success we had, we didn't really sort of like bring in numbers. If you look back, we didn't really bring in a lot of players. Mm, true. And you had obviously Ian Wright and Mark Bright up front as well. I mean, how good as a partnership and individually were they? No, they were special. I mean, when I look back, when you look back now, you realise how good they were and, you know, the service that they got was second to none. And as I said, if Ron would have sort of like took the checkbook out and gone, yeah. you know what, I'm going to have a little gamble. I'm going to buy like, say, two established players, you know, to, to bolster the team, then, you know, history could have been a bit different. Mm. Your form that season got you an England call-up, though, for your cap against uh, Poland. How, I mean, that must be, obviously, every footballer's dream to play for England. What are your memories of playing in that game? No, that was, listen, yeah, it's everyone's um, dream, but it, it was my nightmare because my career just dipped after that because I was in training all week. I was on fire. And then, and it's not like me to sort of listen to criticism, but when you get to the top of the tree, and it was funny because that week when I got picked, my phone didn't stop ringing. It was like one, it was like a movie where every time you put the phone down, it rang, it rang. Mm. Seriously, that was all day. <laughs> well, when I didn't get like uh, sort of like glowing reviews, did I get any phone calls to say unlucky? Did I else? <laughs> I experienced. Like the good and the bad of our industry, and um, no, it, it, I wish if like, another thing being selfish, I wish I never got picked to be quite honest with you, because I was playing some of the best football of my life that season, like week in, week out, just going to away games, top against top teams, and just steamrolling them. But yeah, mm. but that's life, you know. Mm. You see, it's interesting. You, you you obviously experienced the ugly side of football there, didn't you, I suppose? Yeah, but I'm a realist, you know. It's yeah. like, and what will be will be. And, you know, things happen for you happen to you for a reason. And it's and you've got to deal with it. Mm. It's the, the easiest thing in the world is to fall down and wait to see what you're getting up to. No, my attitude is I just get up and whatever's there, I've got to deal with it. Mm. Was that part of your thinking in, in moving on from Palace, like a fresh start? Obviously, you went to Tottenham um, in no, 1992. Was that part of the reason no, to leave? No, but you see, this is the myth where, like, where I've I haven't really gone into uh, the reasons why I actually left twice. But don't forget, 
I was involved at Palace since I was 11. I was an associated schoolboy. I was in the dressing room when we got promoted, 52,000 in the ground. Pictures of me with Jim Cannon, Kenny Sampson, Ian Walsh, Billy Gilbert, Vince Allaire, Paul Winterwood, all of them. I'm in the dressing room as a, what have I been there, as a, what, 14-year-old? Mm. And to think, I got released at 16. Didn't, they didn't give me an apprenticeship. And then got back to the club when they were in dire straits, because obviously the wheels fell off mm. from the team of the 80s. And I got back in 84. And Jim Cannon was still there. Peter Nicholas was there, because I made my debut with him. Jerry Murphy. Well, these were guys that I used to sit on the touchline, on the bench, because you know where the bench is now? That used to be further on the pitch. Okay, yeah. And then all the apprentices and associated schoolboys used to sit on the side where, where the advertising, which would have been just before, behind the halfway, I mean, behind the line. So I go back a long, long way with the club. And if I'm being honest with you, because I was like class as an homegrown player, you didn't get treated the best. Okay. But listen, I loved it there. I played my best football there. Yeah, everyone wanted to sign me, like all the other clubs where I went to. But I was never comfortable. You know, I never... Never really produced the form that I did. I suppose when I went to Villa, I did, because I was flying at Villa when we got promoted. Um, But really and truly, if I look back at it, I wish I never went to any other club, but just stayed at the club and just got that little bit of respect that I I was due. That's really that's really interesting point, and yeah, it's good to to hear that at that point of view. Um, I wanted to ask you just before we go as well. You had a spell in Spain as well, didn't you? At some point with uh, with Marbella, what was that like um, at, in the nineties? That was crazy because it was a mad Yugoslavian who had plenty of money, <laughs> but he used the football team as like his toy. And when we lost, or if we went on a run where we wasn't winning, he wouldn't pay you no wages. And then he would come in on a Sunday before the game and say, "Right, if you win today, you're gonna get you're gonna get your wages." So <laughs> there was no PFA or wow. any groups. <laughs> it was pretty hardcore, but yeah, that's life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That players don't know how how good they've got it now. Indeed, indeed, we do. We say that very often. And, and what are you up to now, Andy? Are you still in football? What, what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, one-on-one coaching with kids, like, privately. Um, I still go out and find talent because I brought the young boy, Lukaku, or Laku, well, I can't remember. I can't pronounce his name. He's gone out there. But I brought the the young Belgian boy there who De Boer played in against Ipswich. I think he's on loan. Yeah, and then, obviously, I brought in the boy, Andre Moritz, when we got promoted that year. So, yeah, I still... Good stuff. Yeah, I still dabble. Still Brilliant. dabble. Well, it was, it was great to talk to you, Andy. Thank you for your honesty and, and some great insights there. Thank you very much. No problem. Hello, 
This is Luis Amor Rodriguez and you are listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, okay? Now, where is Linda? Interesting insight there into Andy Gray's footballing career. So yeah, that's one of the more insightful interviews we've had here on Alive and Kicking. Thank you very much. Andy for that. Um, talking of insightful, there's a segue for you. Um, is the game insightful? Probably. Insightful to Sunday League. Let's talk about some of the characters that this uh, TV show brought to our screens. We talked a lot about episode one. Episode two is where we first hear of the Dick Kopak Cup. Oh, um, that took me so long to decipher what the bloody hell he was I know, saying. I, until they showed the trophy with the actual name on it, I was trying to spell it on my notes. And what, are you saying Dick, Dip, I've written Dip Cop? Yeah. Kopak. Kopak. Dick Kopak. Who was, yeah, apparently, so from what I can tell, every single trophy or prize or anything is named after somebody called Albert or somebody called Dick or somebody called Jimmy. It's like all named after random, apparently. Yeah, all all named after random, like, you know, old Old (laughs) councillors and things like that. Yeah, very curious. Um, and this I thought There She Goes in this episode was a reference to the trophy itself because it's got um, a girl on top of it. Cherry, very good. It reminds me of the Fever Pitch film because they use that song throughout the film, Fever Pitch. Um, there mm-hmm. she goes, which is a, another we tune. get to see a picture of Sir Richard Coppock to give him his, uh, his full title. He, his looks, full-time. he looks a little bit like a cross between Harold Lloyd and Arthur Askey. There's but I bet, it, I, I bet back then he was probably only about 35. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one for the teenage. Why did, why did people, I'm not going to say in the olden days, because I was alive, but people got older quicker. Yeah, Is it yeah. because we're all so children? and Including most of the people in this um, this series, because there's one, I think, is it, is it episode three, where one of the guys gets married the night before? This is the episode <laughs> I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they play the day after, and then Which, it comes to him, him and his newlywed wife and the... Well, in a house with a Which TV I mean, that yeah, looked, I love that. is huge in the background. But, yeah, but they—I mean, her in particularly, without sounding cruel, she looks about fifty. <laughs> unless, unless they were just a little bit later in life before they got married. But uh, well, I just couldn't believe that he got married and then played Sunday league football. Yeah, <laughs> but the old game, the, right? So basically, the, the and it's young Prince B, isn't it? It's they're Prince they're B, all yeah. it's, and 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 Chris, what's he called? Chris Moiston. Yeah. He, so he. It's his, yeah, it's his wedding, and they all go out. They're like, "Oh, is anybody going to take it easy?" It's like, "Oh no, we've got to do it right." So they've all gone and got absolutely leathered at his wedding all day. And we see some of the pictures, and the pictures brilliant. I love that we saw the pictures. Really, yeah. really yeah. like that we saw pictures of the wedding that were sort of badly taken. Yeah, and yeah, that kind of film. Yeah, yeah, it had that kind of filter that you actually put on Instagram now, but they naturally had that horrible filter on them. Yeah, so like you can't really see them, but you can tell they're all smashed out of their minds. Yeah. And then they come, and, and, and she's like, you imagine? I'd be like, I'm going nowhere to play football the day after my bloody wedding. Did you go well, play I, football I, after you got married, Ash? No, really didn't. Do you think, do you think your, your wife would have been happy with, with that if you just got up in the morning and said, I'm going to go and play football and you're coming to watch? Because she'd just go and watch. I think the annulment would have been pretty quick in coming. In yeah, that that's, that's all right. It's all right. Yeah. I, got, I could have got out of that one, couldn't I? Now, we see, now next is the first appearance of the star of the piece. I think we have to christen Jamie Sykes, don't we? Yeah. He, is the, he is the star of the whole thing. He happily tells a story about getting sent off because he was elbowing somebody in the face. And then he ran after him and leathered him and got a six-game ban. Well, no, he didn't actually leather it. He, the guy he didn't even hid catch in, him, did he? Hid in his car and drove off. <laughs> All right. 
All right, I thought he caught him and led him. No, no, because yeah, even Danny face. Baker's even Danny Baker says it was a harsh punishment to get that much of a ban, and all he did really was he said he chased the guy around, and the guy ran quicker than he did, and he was running backwards. He was running backwards, uh, and he was running forwards, <laughs> and he uh, and he managed to get into his car and drive off, and he still got a was it a six game ban. Yeah, yeah. six-game band, yeah. But he, uh, yeah, so as, as Joe said, we kind of, because we take Young Prince B and we kind of follow them in this cup run, don't we? It's like two stories throughout the rest of the series. You have the league, where we see Gascoigne, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, not have, Paul Gascoigne. Not Paul Gascoigne. Now, the names of these teams are so bizarre. They're not yeah. exactly the dog and duck, are they? It's really weird team names. Um, and you have the cup, which we see in eventually um, Young Prince B get involved with. And Jamie Sykes, the big lad up front, who in time scores a couple of really actually decent goals for, for Sunday League very good goal in this yeah. game yeah it, it, before he gets almost attacked by a bulldog as well while taking a throw on I think that's <laughs> him as well um, but yeah he's kind of yeah your everyman big lump at the, at the front but he's, he's pretty talented but he's definitely um, a character throughout and we follow his story and as you say what is quite funny in this is that he, he wears a numberless shirt even though he's yeah. the striker because the number nine shirt doesn't fit him yeah and then we have the, the story at the in the final episode where he he, has to, he, lo- he loses his boots and he has to borrow someone else's boots as well, doesn't he? Some puma. Kids. No, it's not the final episode. Is that not the final one? Is that no? It's about the it's the semi final episode. So there's a, there's a lot of Sykes and a lot of young Prince Bees in these six episodes. You kind of get confused. Um, so yeah, that 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 we learn in that episode is that they get through to to the next round after that. Um, I think while we're talking characters and you've already spoken about him already, Joel, is uh, the refereeing in this is closed quite under the radar until no, this we... Is in, 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 the, the referee in this one? Well, I, did, I haven't made any notes about the referee in this one. I'm going on to talk about Mr Eric No, Samuels. the referee in episode three is... Uh, well, he's quite quite the man, isn't he? He's we see brilliant. Jamie Sykes again in episode three. He's doing the knowledge. Yes, which on his is, bike, yeah. On his bike, yeah. which is quite interesting. But then we... Um, if this is Gascoigne, who are, who are sort of a... Are they like a little a little part of Leighton Orient? Is well, Leighton Orient uh, Supporters Club. Yeah, uh, right. Okay. Side, you know, have struggled. They've been playing for years and never never won anything. But uh, but obviously yeah. a, a loyal so this, following. So this is them, the Gascoigne Or versus the Young Prince B. Sykes has forgotten his boots in this one, which kind of made me think about. Can you remember Billy's boots in the Tiger yeah, and Roy yeah, Rovers, yeah, things yeah. like that? The young Billy Dane was. Uh, he found Deadshot King's boots and um, it, and they managed to get the greatest football in the world spirit into him. So why he wasn't signed up, God knows. But there you go. But Sykes has to wear odd boots that are a size too small for him. And one's got a split in the side as well. One's got a split in the side, well. yeah. Flappy tongues. Yeah. yeah, in the modern mode, again, as, as Danny <laughs> Baker says. Very much in the modern mode with the tongue hanging out. And you think, when was the last time you saw... You know, that was such a thing, wasn't it? With don't see tongues anymore anyway. Yeah, no, was, you don't uh, see yeah. laces anymore. It's a Puma King thing, I think, first. He did the flappy tongues and then yeah. the Predator did it. So let's talk about Eric Samuels. Oh, I love Eric Samuels. Should, why didn't they do an Eric Samuels spin-off show? I would have watched that as well. Eric Samuels is the, the most ridiculous... <laughs> You've got to give him his full name, Joe. Eric, 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 Mr. Eric, shut it, Samuels. <laughs> Because what we haven't mentioned in this as well is certain people are mic'd up during yes. this. So yeah. the ref is mic'd up, uh, the, managers the managers are mic'd yeah. up, and, and that, that's sort of it. But you do hear lots of stuff that's going on. So And the, and the will pick up this and bobble. And all Samuel says to people, well, it's not all he says, but um, he looks extremely like Cockney Wanker from Viz. If you yeah. that, <laughs> <with himself. laughs> exactly like that, yeah. Or very, very past it Elvis impersonator. Somebody that's who's it is. long past being Elvis. It's like 
I mean, he must be. He, he sort of must be about sixty-eight. But no, I'm not, I bet he's about forty. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, probably. But this man, yeah, he's another referee in sunglasses. Which I've never seen a referee in sunglasses in my life. Massive. Until I no, they're, they're tobacco tint glasses. They're, they're... That's what they are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they're they, sort of um, yeah. reverse bifocal. The, the Mike Mike Reed ones from uh, yeah from the Yeah, yeah. Um, the first thing is that Mr. Samuels decides the ball needs pumping up. So that takes about three minutes of the programme. Yeah, but it only, only, th- only four puffs of the... He pumps uh, the ball four times and Danny Baker starts laughing. That's the one oh, moment yeah. where I felt because, it, it felt like I was watching the far show. That one moment where they were pumping the ball up, I felt like this is a little <laughs> bit too far. But yeah, yeah he, goes, he, 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 he just goes, oh, and now he knows those four pumps have made all the difference to the ball. <laughs> That, that, it was like the only bit where like, he was actually laughing at how just stupid it was. But Samuels, the, Eric Samuels decides that this programme is basically, it's not called the game. It's not anything to do with Danny Baker. Or Lake. This is basically the Eric Samuels show. <laughs> because he wants to be at Shut the centre of absolute everything. He shouted at everybody, telling people to keep it shut. At one point, which is amazing... He decides to tell, um, is it young Prince B, that, yes. like, where they're going wrong yeah. with their tactics? <laughs> he tells them that they're not in doing the enough in midfield yeah. and they need to get another man in there. And Danny Baker's going, what, is he giving them six? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this this guy was incredible. Man of the match. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and Gascoigne go 2-0 um, up. Um, the ref books somebody for swearing at him. He shouts and screams. It, at him. Well, he but says he could swear him, uh, could send him off, but he chooses to book him. That's no, he, that's, that's that's with the, pe- the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper, yeah. The goalkeeper. Yeah. He books somebody for swearing. He says, "I'll take a lot in this game, but I won't be sweared at," which is very <laughs> funny. He gives the young kids the uh, advice. Then he gives the most dodgy penalty. I still in... can't really see what he gave it for. I've watched it. He says his arms are all. I know, open. but it's not. <laughs> It's not even touching him, no. and, the, and the guy goes mental, and he gives them the penalty, which is just, and they're all just like laughing. Then he books this guy Chris Wakeman for Gascoigne for kicking the ball away, which I just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Uh, it's it's just very funny. They, they go into the dressing room after, which is another thing. You know, they'll, they'll go and take a little monitor and show them bits of the calls, and they are acting like. Like sort of go, oh god, we do act like football players, yeah, don't we? Yeah, like when we uh, score or when we, you know, in the post-match interviews, and they sort of go, oh yeah, they always sound like idiots, and now we're just doing the same thing, which is funny. And they go and interview Eric Samuels later on, who gets his own little credit and everything, and he says, because the players pay a fiver a week to play, then he's going to let them play. Danny Baker goes, what about the advice that you were giving them to help? And he goes, he goes, oh, well, that's just the way I do it. I howled. It's worth going to watch episode. If you're going to go and watch one. Yeah, I would agree. The, episode three is the one to watch, isn't it? With Mickey Malona at age 44 playing for, for Beaches as well. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's it's very, very, very funny. It's very funny. When they do that. But then in, in episode four, the posh boys come. Baker, Baker in, in this episode is wearing two coats. Yes. Um, I, 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 he looks a bit like his gran in that. I thought it was a bit, there was something about him that I can imagine Granny Baker looking a bit like... <laughs> Done a pun, not even the glasses. It's the Mrs. Doubtfire. Look. It is very much the Mrs. Doubtfire. Look. Yeah, and mm. um, this is. I think this episode's one probably the the sort of lull this in the six. 
I like yeah. the academics, but nothing. I haven't made many more notes in this. It makes me laugh that they're called the academics because they're mainly teachers, doctors, and journalists, and not postmen, salesmen, and whatever yeah. else. But Jamie Sykes this, is on the touchline watching. Jamie Sykes is there watching. It's all about him. He's doing um, the uh, Mark. Uh, I can't believe. I cannot believe. Cannot believe. Cannot believe. Cannot believe that Livingston Academicals had a player called Errol Brown, and there was not one hot chocolate <laughs> no, reference made by true, Danny yeah. Baker. I was waiting for it. He's a music man, after all. Yeah. Thinks he's a music man all the time. Yeah. I was just like, unless he'd been told specifically. Later on, when we hear Errol Brown talk, he sounds like Chris Eubank. Which is pretty yeah, true. brilliant yeah. when he talks. He goes on, and one must do this. He's got like a little lisp and a high pitched voice. And that. This, this this guy number eleven, Fletcher, who looks. This is a bit of an obscure reference, but he looks like Furio from The Sopranos. Oh, he's, yeah. he, he's got the long hair and everything. Uh, they play beaches in this game. Uh, this is the only bit where there's a bit of sort of uh, argy bargy. Yeah, there's a bit in this game. Yeah, in this one. Yeah, but we see Kilday, who's uh, Dirk Kilday. Yeah, yeah, well, he's the striker and, and probably Kilday. probably the best, most probably the most talented player in the whole series. I'd oh, say you're doing Jamie Sykes a bit of a disservice. Well, no, I think Kil- no, I think Kilday would. Uh, you know, I think he was head and shoulders above Sykes in terms of his natural ability, but uh, obviously Sykes was a more of a. A, a target man, but a I thought Mick Kilday, Harford, yeah, of his day, yeah, yeah, he was the Mick Harford of his day. But um, mm. I thought Kilday was, uh, oh, he was, yeah, supreme, supreme. Um, well, yeah, and, and then we we meet Philip Allen in this one, who is the goalkeeper of the Livingston Academics, who travels for two and a half hours to go and play the games with him. Is he the one from Clapton? Yes, he's yes, the one yeah. from Clapton. Yeah, from Clapton. he misses his last train in one of the training sessions. I think that's in the next episode, isn't it? When he misses the train. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think that's the low. That that's kind of we talk about the last two episodes because they're kind of the two emotional episodes where the it's the squeaky bum time, I suppose, as Alex Ferguson is called. Episode five is the league decider, isn't it? Um, Terry Reese and his Gascoigne against the Liverston Academicals, who've managed to somehow swing, get a goal swing of ten, and now if they win this game, they win the league. Um, so there's a, there's a lot riding on this one. Um, Matthew, this is where your emotional tie comes in, or is it more the cup final and the final? Episode? Well, it, it was more the cup. I mean, back in these days, of course, the cup final was much more important than, than, yeah. than the league. I mean, these days it's it's very much the other way. No one cares about the cup final. But watching the watching it back then, as I was live at the time, or uh, as it was, um, no, all my attentions were, were firmly on the uh, the Dick Cop Up Cup final the following week. But um, no, no, that's not to take anything away from. Um, from Gascoigne and the, and the academicals. I, mean, I, I appreciate the, this in that Terry Reese, you know, the, the celebrations at the end. He's kissing babies and he's they're lifting trophies. It's it's kind of nice, but yeah, I think the what is interesting in this is that the guy Musa for the academicals is wearing thirteen, and this is considered highly unusual. Well, it would be in nineteen ninety one. Well, that's because in one of the earlier episodes, I think it's episode two or three, Baker points out that there's a scene where one. A, player that's just come off has to take his shirt off and hand, and give it to the substitute yeah, because they yeah, that's that's our 44 year old friend Mickey yes yeah. <laughs> only got uh, 12 or 13 shirts between them so uh, you know to, I don't think you can well, be again, trusty it's not, it's not done nastily or oh, they've only got these shirts you no. know, this is a common thing in Sunday football at one point one guy comes on is, is it the guy I'm not actually going to spoil the end but is it that guy the big fat the guy Steve Shearing yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he comes in in the, there's a guy who comes on in the shirt that's too small for him, the wrong shorts, and he's got odd socks on when he goes on. 
yeah, like everybody's just like Sunday League football, isn't it? Yeah, and Danny, ba- Danny Baker says that will solve the unemployment problem in the cotton industry. <laughs> With his, uh, <laughs> my time at you, shirt. Well, yeah. you've, you've alluded to. Let's talk about the final episode and Steve Shearer, and then because I mean, this is an hour long. This episode, so they really upped the ante for for the final episode. Um, following them on the bus, where we talk, where we learn about the the green kit that uh, young B have switched to from their nice blue and white that they've been. Well, there's a controversy, isn't there? There's been massive controversy. Jamie Sykes don't like it. Well, because they didn't they change it because they felt the shirts, the blue shirts were too small, so they changed to this green outfit, which I mean, if anything, looks even smaller. I mean, I think it might have just there's a couple of the thinner lads. I think that the the three brothers just about squeeze into it but uh, probably in one but um i like that the kits yeah. are made by spool which i've com- a make which i completely forgot even existed long before pro star making made kits for the sunday leagues it was all about spool i think they made millwall's kit at one point it there's definitely a lo- did wimbledon yeah, then there's, yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of millwall shirts throughout this year it's very classically sort of shiny sweaty itchy kind of outfits weren't they yeah. like probably made by mike baldwin up in the north <laughs> yes in baldwin's casuals yeah oh before underworld under the roof yeah anyway sorry that was modern day um but yeah they're, they're giving the whole shebang for this one don't they i mean and without going into too much of the game it ends 3-3 between young prince b and beaches but, but the story is isn't it matthew steve sheeran and that penalty take us through it oh, well it's i mean there's so much to go through i mean like you say they they get the Double decker buses each. One of the players, Birdie, is it? Uh, doesn't nearly doesn't make the bus. They they pull away, and he only, he catches up with them just to get on, just just in the nick of time. Um, <laughs> they've got these they've got these mock Tudor dressing rooms, as Danny Baker describes them. That um, you know the, the the height of luxury back then. But the game itself, absolutely humdinger of a game, isn't it? I mean, a <laughs> yeah, real classic. toing and froing and. Um, I mean, it's, I, I won't I won't ruin it for people really because it's one of those games that you really just have to watch. There's a, I'll tell you, this is a '90s reference. I had this on this final on VHS cassette, and um, some a couple of my mates down south at the time were big Liverpool fans and used to travel to every Liverpool game on a bus. And every game they used to take a video for them to watch on the on the two or three hour journey, and people would take you know. Ghostbusters or Pretty Woman or whatever was whatever anyone had of a a VHS and they'd play it so we used to watch this this match usually after the pub and roar with laughter and and this guy said I've got to take this I've got to take this on the coach and he took it on the Liverpool coach and they were absolutely gripped by this match and do you know the game it was that that they uh, watched it on the 4-3 at Anfield against Newcastle and he he came back how random he came back and said uh, yeah, came back and said, you know what, everyone on the way back was talking about that Dick Coppock Cup final rather than the 4-3 <laughs> So it's gone down in folklore for many reasons. But um, I would say, if anything, this game's got more to offer than that 4-3 at Anfield. Well, I think it, it, it's not got Steve Shearing, has it? Let's be honest. Well, no, including uh, this guy who, um, as Danny Baker describes him, a pear-shaped footballer who <laughs> I, I think he only... I think he only Featured for about five minutes in the whole season. Yeah, he didn't touch, didn't touch the ball before he came on. No, he while he was on in the five yeah, minutes, he, on, he didn't touch the ball. He all. comes on in the in that that sort of spray on kit in the in the final, and it's um, it obviously goes to goes to well, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but it goes to penalties, and um, yeah, he comes on in the dying minutes, probably to waste time, and it, uh, as it so happens, it falls to him to. Uh, to take the final and ultimately winning penalty kick and the brilliant commentary I love it when he steps he runs up and he hits the ball it goes in and Danny Baker just goes 
he wins it. And they all chase after him and... Uh, one of his like, players takes him out. Sykes, 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 he, Sykes he himself. Um, is that who it is? Yeah, Sykes. Well, Sykes, Sykes, has been sent off in, Sykes has been sent off in this game. By your mm. mate, Mr Samuels, yeah. Yeah, he sends him off. And there's a brilliant story that Danny Baker tells that I, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with it. And Ash, you might have to get the bleeping book now. That's here. okay. Yeah, I'll get the bleeping well, um, really. Because it, it, it's available on YouTube. I think it might be worth sort of trying to find it. I don't even think it went out on fantasy football when Danny Baker told it. Uh, I think it came out on one of the videos later on. But uh, basically, he sends, he sends off Sykes, uh, Mr. Samuels. And, he, and, and then what apparently happened was... Like, nobody really knew why he'd been sent off. He thought they thought it was Samuels being like, you know, he's all attention-seeking himself again. And he runs up to the camera, <laughs> Mr. Samuels, and goes, goes, I just want to let you know that I sent off the number nine, Sykes, because he called me a cunt, and he called my life for a cunt two times. <laughs> So that's why Sykes got sent yeah, off. But, it, but the controversy was that because they go to the changing rooms after the game, there's like a post-match uh, interview, isn't there, where Baker's there in a sort of steamy dressing room, and they they analyse it back, and they still can't work out why officially he was sent off. He, one minute they say it's handball, then he says it's el- an elbow, and uh, there's at one point I think Jamie Sykes turns to Danny Baker and says he spoils it, he spoiled the whole game. And uh, but I mean, li- little did he know that thirty years on, we would still be uh, still be talking about it. So I, think I mean, he didn't... It, it is really everybody is genuinely chuffed to bits to have won this Dick Coppock Cup <laughs> in the East London Sunday League Division Four. Division Four, because there's only League Division Four teams can play in it, and yep. they're just like this. There's kids are getting their photos taken with this thing. They're all the families are there. You know, there's a crowd of two hundred watching yeah, it at the George White Stadium. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, like yeah, there's an actual stand. Um, yeah, I mean the emotion is it's it's that thing. It's the emotion is real. It's reality television without the sort of snidiness. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and yeah, I totally agree. And I know be a bit careful because I know you sort of work in that industry, Joel, and I know exactly how it works and what people want. But yeah, it's reality TV before reality TV, really, isn't it? It's I think so. Yeah. Now yeah. that now that even even two or three years after this was filmed, there'd be a certain element of playing to the camera and people trying to get something from it. And and but then it was just a it was just so uh, so innocent, really, or sim. Simple, but it was just. Mm. If, this um, was, if this was made now, Jamie Sykes would be on "I'm a Celebrity" next year. That's yeah, the sort of yeah, thing that would, yeah. would happen because that's how it works. It's but. kind of similar to how you know. It, 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 some people saying saying to me about the joys of Bullseye, going like these are just lads that are sort of coming from places that have had a bit of hard time, and they just want to go and see if they can win a washing machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that's why. That's why these kind of. That's why these kind of remakes and, and recreations never work because you can never do it without that feeling, that irony. You know, there's always that element of we're taking the piss. And I yeah. mean, there, I, I, there have been versions of this in the past, uh, since. I mean, not exactly John this, but I mean, it, kind of there was a fast like one. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, there's always been this sort of thing of, oh, yeah, let's all have a laugh at how crap you know, Sunday Park well, Foot was. Well, there's, 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 there's a very successful YouTube show, I think it's Palmer's FC. Or something. There's a few of them. I'm not really into the YouTube thing, but there's a lot of them that do Sunday League stuff. Well, I haven't watched any of them, but I doubt that it's as endearing as as this kind of version of it. So yeah, and and a lot of that goes down to 
production team, Danny yeah. Baker. The you know, I mean, there's obviously a budget, a budget there. I mean, probably more of a budget than you'd get now on one of these shows. But it's not done overly. I mean, they've obviously put on the, the couple of buses for the final, and they've got the. I mean, the stadium would have probably been that stadium anyway for a final. Yeah, but, um, have so, yeah. They haven't. They haven't overcooked it. They haven't. They haven't got any sort of be this. See the celebrities involved there's for no reason. A kind of there's, there's no reason for them to throw anybody under the bus. And like you said, there's no like now you'd probably get you know I'm just looking the name out yeah, but Brian Robson would turn up. Um, yeah, well either that or they would orchestrate some kind of spat between one of the players. You know, yeah, there'd be yeah. a, there'd the be drama a, levels. Yeah, there'd, there'd, the, there'd be a drama level. Somebody would have turned up uh, having just you know his wife just you know been involved in an accident yeah, or, you'd or something. Have, you'd have to have loads of backstory. Yeah, going yeah, like sub stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the only backstory really in this is you got your guy that got married. Yeah. the night before. There's a there's a good little clip where they interview Dirk Kilday. What looks like the top of a high rise um, flat. It makes it look like he lives in some sort of penthouse somewhere. But, um, um, but, and it's not done in a derogatory way. I mean, it's funny. I mean, anyone that watches it's funny. And I watched it at the time and I obviously found it funny. But And I watch it back now and it's funny for different reasons, but not in a T-E-E kind it's of sniggery way. It's just funny. It's, it's just life funny. It's just yeah. Stories it doesn't need It doesn't it. need the cherry on the cake, does it? You watch it and you find it funny because anyone that's played football or watch football appreciates football finds it funny without anyone having to point and and, and yeah make faces and and play play up to it so you know that's that's what i always thought of it and obviously you you've watched it now for the first time and you can i think you can appreciate that as I well just think, yeah i just think it's that thing that's its big standout thing is that it's not done ironically it's it's done very warmly with yeah, an obvious great love for what it is yeah. And sort of just saying, we're just going to shine a light on this because it's interesting and it's funny and we like football and yeah. that's kind of it. I'll be yeah. honest and say that I could probably have done it being a couple episodes less. I don't. I think there's too many strands. I think they could have slimlined it slightly, but done it in four. But then I think I watched them back to back, so maybe by episode four I was a bit like, oh, okay. oh, you'd have been gripped. I mean, if you'd, you know, watched you it week went... to week, then I think yeah. it'd be different. Yeah. Um, but that's and that's the only kind of negative thing I could say. But I think that's because of how I watched it. If you want to watch it, though, it is on YouTube. I watched it all six episodes, or you can buy it from Amazon for three pounds and ninety nine pence, which I thought was a bit of a bargain. But it's worth a watch. And if you're going to watch one, as Joel says, watch episode three with Mr. Samuels because that's probably the most fun and kind of that is the funniest. That ticks yeah. every kind of box in terms of what the actual show is, is really about as well. So great watch and uh, yeah I really enjoyed it so um, thank you for recommending Mr Chris because I think that was a lot a lot of fun we'll have to do more of these watch alongs if you want there's something you think we should watch along to um, at some point you know, drop us a line on Twitter at AK90s and tell us because uh, we'll happily watch anything um, there's loads we haven't done already so we haven't actually ever done a, an episode on Fantasy Football League so that will definitely be something we'll do I'm not phoning David Bedell again no I think we've, we've used that card haven't we so. right. I think he's changed his number now Joe. Yeah, <laughs> well, he, he phoned me in the first place, but it had to go through. He's, he's with uh, Avalon, isn't he? So Avalon. Oh, okay. Well, we have, we've had David on, and we've had Stato already. So really, we need to try and get we Frank Skinner. Frank. Yeah, which he was my final ever guest on Sunday brunch. Oh. Brunch, Frank Skinner. There yeah, you go. There you go. Good fact there. Um, another, another good thing about you. Where, where can people find you on the Twitter, Mister Young? Uh, I am at uh, Joel Baby Tweets. So yeah, come and say hello, or Joel Baby Herc on Instagram. I need to do something about that. The non-uniformity is annoying me. Yeah, it's not. You got to be on brand. Um, exactly. And Matthew's on brand on both these socials, yeah. aren't you? 
Talking of which, well, that's probably because there's no one else with a, a handle that is at Matthew J. Christ. Well, so, uh, there's some know. bastard on Twitter and on Instagram <laughs> that has got at Ash Rose, and they never use them. So, but like, please, if you're not going to tweet or Instagram, get rid of the handle. So do, I can, do you think it's an Ashley with an IE? Probably, yeah. I think one yeah. of them was a girl, so yeah, for definite. And with yeah. Ro- and with Rose being the surname or whatever version they want to do, it's most likely a girl. So yeah, just you know, yeah. you, just give it up. Give me the handle, damn you. Um, but more, yeah. more importantly, follow the show at AK Nineties on Twitter and AK Nineties Pod on Instagram, and drop us a review and a rating on iTunes. All that gum, the usual stuff. Very much appreciated. And come and see us live. Check out the Twitter feed. Jump us for goalpost August 4th. You know you want to. You know you want to see a squabble in real life. It'll be fun. Um, in the meantime, I've been Ash Rose. This has been Alive and Kicking. He's been Joe Young. He's been Matthew Christ. Until next time, keep it 90s. 